0: welcome in to episode 48 of college sports today we're coming to you on wlrz at 99.3 fm and we're also coming to you online at theranian.com rss.com and spotify this is your host hamilton neal lots and lots of stuff to talk about on this show today in our first segment we'll talk lr fall sports we'll talk bears football and we'll also talk men's soccer women's soccer and volleyball in our second segment we'll talk about some women's college basketball news coming out of uconn and then in our third segment we'll talk division one college football we'll have some results from the last couple of weeks and take a look ahead to what's coming up as well but again first let's talk lr bears football and we're talking LR Bears football over the last two weeks. Because again, last week we talked to Eric Sullivan. That was the feature of episode 47. So it wasn't this traditional episode where we're talking local and national stuff. So we have two games to talk about with the Bears. And the first one was against Erskine. And again, this was on September 17th, coming off the loss to Ferris State in week two. They won against Virginia State in week one. Ferris State, number one team in the country in week two, lost that game big. So, this was a get-right game for the Bears. Struggling Erskine team took it to him. 42-20 the final. And statistically, this game was all LR here. 536 total yards. 283 for Erskine. 312 pass yards for the Bears. 231 for Erskine. A couple other stats that I like here. Two penalties for only 24 yards. So, LR really kept things clean here in this contest. 8 of 14 on third down converting third downs is so important keeps the drives alive gives you a better chance to score points and again lr did a lot of that here in this game and yes they ran the football very well erskine's an inferior opponent there's a lot of factors that play into why lr won this game by 22 but they controlled the football 35 minutes 47 seconds time of possession 22 48 for erskine so all the way across the board when you look at those team stats all bears Individually, LR played two quarterbacks here. Sean White got the bulk of the action, 21 of 34, 291 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Austin Kegel, two of three, 21 yards, one interception. So, just looking at those stats from the two quarterbacks, obviously Sean White got way more playing time. Kegel only two of three passing, but one interception. He's turned the football over a little bit this season, and again. LR's kind of had this balancing act of trying to see what both guys have. Sean White's got more action this season. He's played better. And again, the thing that you often hear with football teams that have two quarterbacks that are playing is when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I think you have to play one guy that's playing very well and has the hot hand. And I think Sean White is that guy right now. Now, again, running the football, we know Dwayne McGee's the star for this Bears team. 20 attempts, 120 yards, two touchdowns. yards per carry. And again, if there's one constant for this LR team, it's Dwayne McGee. We know he's going to bring it. And the ability to run the football and to have a guy like that, a superstar in the backfield, that's why LR is a good football team this season. I don't think LR is a great football team. I don't think they're one of the best teams in the country. But they are in the top 25 right now. They're number 18 in the nation. So we do have one of the better teams in the country. I don't think we're at the caliber right now of a top five, top 10 team, but we're a good top 20 team. And I think the reason we're ranked right now is because of Dwayne McGee. Again, everybody's played pretty well, but Dwayne McGee is the guy that's going to carry this football team. Now, on the receiving end of things, DeAndre Lester, seven catches, 95 yards. Keelan Parsons, two touchdowns, four catches, 91 yards. So those two guys really got the bulk of the action there as far as receiving goes. And then the next week, LR took on Carson Newman. And this was last week. LR 34, Carson Newman at 13. And again, this is for a Bears team that's ranked number 18 in the country. And again, for LR, they dominated the stats, 351 total yards. More penalties here in this game, nine penalties for 78 yards. Want to keep that down a little bit, keep the game a little bit cleaner. But still, 5 of 12 on third down, 31 minutes, 49 seconds time of possession. So, again, team stats wise, LR looking good again. Sean White was the only quarterback who played in this game. And again, that's what we need to see. 17 of 28, 208 yards and one touchdown. That's consistent play across the board. It's not quite what Grayson Willingham did for us, but he's putting up good stats. He's doing good enough to manage the game a little bit, throw a touchdown or two each game and hand it off to Dwayne McGee. There's good balance within this offense right now. And you see that with time of possession. And you see that with Dwayne McGee's stats here in this game. Again, 20 attempts. 112 yards and a touchdown. 5.4 yards per carry. Very similar to the Erskine game. Almost identical stats. He's going to run it about 20 times a contest, get a touchdown. Again, that's what you expect. Uh, Receiving-wise, DeAndre Lester, seven catches, 93 yards. Had a long of 36 yards. And again, for Carson Newman on their side, Ivan Corbin, 12 of 24, 110 yards, a touchdown, but two interceptions. Again, turning the football over is really going to destroy you against LR because we have a great defense. It's not just running the football, but it's great defense. And it's those two things that can carry you when you're not as explosive in the passing game and when you're not getting as many yards downfield. Again, Corbin at quarterback, very pedestrian, 110 yards. Those two picks really, really hurt them. So again, for LR, they're on a nice winning streak now. They have some momentum going. And again, coming off that Ferris State loss... You needed a couple of get right games and the erskine game was not only that but the carson newman game was as well both of those teams are struggling and lr's played very well they've beaten the teams that they've been supposed to be beating at this point but there is stiffer competition coming so the real tests are coming into the month of october and november and again that's when everyone sees what you're made of so I still can't judge LR 100% right now on the teams they've beaten because we haven't seen them play and beat an amazing team yet. The only great team they played was Ferris State. They lost that game and lost it very big. 27-5 to 5 was the final score of that one. So I'm going to have to see October. I'm going to have to see November. I'm going to have to see Newberry come in here and the Bears win that game. I'm going to have to see other good teams, LR go on the road, them come here, whatever it is. I have to see that. Before I can say LR is a true playoff contender. I think they're a good team right now, a good top 25 team, one of the better teams in this part of the country in Division II football. But, again, I can't judge them 100% yet on who they've beaten. As for the men's soccer team, they're 6-2-1 overall, 3-2 and in the South Atlantic Conference. And as for what they've done recently, win against Belmont Abbey and Anderson, lost to Limestone and Mars Hill. And again, that's September 14th through 24th. Men's soccer action there for LR. For the women's soccer team, they're 4-2-2 overall, 4-0-1 in the South Atlantic Conference. In that 10-day stretch, loss to UNC Pembroke, wins versus Limestone and Marshall, tie with Anderson as well. And for the volleyball team, they're 10-4, 6-1 in the South Atlantic Conference. September 14th through 27th, wins versus Anderson, Newberry, Emory and Henry, Virginia Wise and Cantabba, and then a loss at Winget. So again, those are some of the other top LR Fall sports going on right now. And again, as this fall goes on, we'll talk more with cross country. We'll talk men's golf. We'll talk women's golf as well. But again, right now, football, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball. That's really the main stuff that we're talking about here. And again, on this show, every other week, we're doing an interview right now. So again, episode 46, it was a traditional episode like this one. Last week, it was Everett Sullivan. We're back to normal this week. Next week, it's Greg Paradine, head coach of the men's lacrosse team. So We're going to catch up really every couple of weeks at this point. Again, not just with local stuff, but with national stuff as well. So, again, that's what's going on at LR. Now let's talk women's college basketball news. And a lot of the news coming out of women's college basketball recently is a UConn. And again, that's not surprising. Basketball capital of the world. Women's basketball gold standard. And again, with the season still over a month away, And with top 25 polls not yet out and all American teams and all that stuff, we still don't have like current news to talk about as far as who's playing, scheduling, scrimmages, all of that stuff. But we do have some UConn stuff to talk about as it pertains to Page backers. Now, again. Weeks ago here on the show, we talked about Page backers and the ACL tear and what that means for UConn, what that means for women's college basketball. And. In the time that we did that episode up until right now, there's been speculation about is Paige going to stay? Is she going to go for the 2023 WNBA draft? You know, she has all the options that she could want. What's she going to do? And there was a lot of mystery around it. But she announced a couple of weeks ago that she is going to play college basketball post injury. She will be back at UConn. Because, again, it was 2023 WNBA draft. That's what everyone was talking about. And some people out there were making a case for her to go out, and some were making a case to stay. And it was really a no-brainer to come back to college, not just to try to cement her legacy and further her legacy at UConn by trying to win a national championship and all that stuff. But financially, the money she's going to make off NIL deals in college, that's going to be more money than she could make on her rookie deal in the W. And that's the reality. Now we're at that point where women's college basketball players are going to be making more than some young WNBA players. And again, the WNBA has a separate issue as far as contracts and how much money they're giving out and how much money they have. And uh, that's a topic for another show. And we may get to that at some point because it relates to college athletes. But again, for Beckers to say she's coming back, it puts... UConn fans at ease, women's college basketball fans at ease, because had she went out, it would have been like, wait a minute, we didn't see X, Y, and Z happen. We didn't see Paige try to win a championship. We didn't see her 100% in a non-COVID year, you know, all that stuff. And when she comes back, hopefully we'll see her 100% healthy in a non-COVID year. Because remember, freshman year in 2020, it was really tough. Quarantining and testing and players being held out, having to come back two weeks, all of that stuff. And then season after last year, missed 19 games with the injury, with the uh, knee injury. And now with this ACL tear, she's going to miss this season. So her career is definitely being extended. And there is some concern as far as a third injury, possibly. There is a lot of concern about that. But as Becker said, She's not going to come back until she's 110% healthy because she doesn't want this to ever happen again. Now it's possible down the road, you know, players can't control what injuries come in, but this is two knee injuries now in the same knee, left knee. So it's definitely something to watch, but with the way that UConn is starting to get her to rehab and with what she's done at this point already, I think it's very encouraging, and I think she will be back 110% healthy next year because she's been walking a lot more recently. She's been biking. She's been cleared for chair workouts, and she's going to be doing some pool work coming up as well. So, again, this injury is very, very tough, very tough to come back from. ACL tears are not what they used to be in terms of career ending because back in the day, the techniques of rehabbing and surgery, it wasn't as advanced as it is now. So, if you had an ACL tear 35, 40 years ago, even 30, 20 years ago, it was going to be very, very, very serious. And it's still a serious now. But depending on your body and how it responds to the injury and the rehab, you can come back in less than a year now. And again, most of the time it's a year, but sometimes it can be less. And again, before that injury, Paige was feeling really good. She was feeling great about where she was at physically trying to get bigger faster stronger and again she got hurt in a pickup game she was going full speed kind of tried to come to a stop and then there was contact usually acl tears are non-contact and she said it wasn't a lot of contact but there was some and her knee just kind of gave out and she felt a pop and she went to the training room and then they did the mri and all that stuff and then they confirmed it so again just to know that Paige Backers will be playing college basketball again. It's huge for the sport. It's huge for UConn. And again, to try to further and cement her legacy, that's very important to her. And that should be important to all players. No matter who you are, what school you play at, you're going to leave a legacy. And again, if you're someone like Paige Backers who has a lot of eyes on her, then uh, that's definitely very important. So that news came out a couple of weeks ago. It's not like up to the minute, but we're just getting to it now very important again as it pertains to not just women's college basketball but the sport of basketball as a whole now let's wrap up by talking some college football and again this isn't just last week's scores but we'll talk about one game from the week prior as well again we're through four weeks of the college football season already it's been moving by very very quickly and teams are starting to show who they are or seeing who the contenders are or seeing who the pretenders are and you got to get through about a month of the season to kind of tell that. And again, for some teams, we still don't know. I want to talk about one game from week three, Penn State and Auburn. A game that on paper, when you look at the team names and the team logos, it looks like, oh, Penn State, Auburn, that's huge. Two high-class programs, two elite brands. This was a one-sided football game. Last year, it was a tremendous contest. At Penn State, Auburn had Bo Nix at quarterback. Sean Clifford was there for Penn State. And Penn State came out on top in that game. And again, in my opinion, I think it was one of the most underrated games of the college football season last year. It really was. That was a 28-20 win for Penn State. This year, much different. 41-12 the final. Penn State comes out on top. And Sean Clifford, the quarterback in this game, he was very steady, very solid. 14-19, 14-19, to 19, 178 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So, a lot of good, no bad, but they really relied on Nick Singleton. 10 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Catron Allen, two touchdowns as well on the ground, nine carries for 52 yards. So, again, as much as we want to talk about Sean Clifford playing very well and playing steady football, it's the running game. The running game in this defense That's what's carrying Penn State right now, just like we talked about with LR in the open. Running the football and playing good defense, that's the key. Now looking at some team stats, Auburn racked up a lot of yards, 415 yards here in this game. 296 passing, 119 rushing. Penn State on their side, 477 total, 232 passing, 245 rushing. That is true balance, tried and true balance in college football. Then Auburn had more first downs they were just as good on third down so you can't just look at the team stats and base everything off of that you had to watch this football game and penn state was the more physical team they got good push on the line their running game again was outstanding and uh for sean clifford the bottom line is he can bend a little bit but as long as he doesn't break penn state's going to be fine so again dominant contest there a lot of questions surrounding brian harson at auburn they barely got a win against Missouri. And that was a game that was this past week. And a lot of people said, if Auburn loses this game, then Brian Harson's probably going to lose his job. And again, Auburn's a three and one football team. You know, they only would have been two and two at that point. But again, the standard at Auburn is top 25 team, one of the best teams in the SEC West. And a contender. I really don't think they're a contender right now. Because there's inconsistency around TJ Finley, a quarterback. There are a lot of issues with that team right now. And uh, even though they got that win, not a great Missouri team. I don't think Auburn fans are fully happy right now. Now let's go over and talk about last week. That's where the rest of our games come. And first, let's talk about Clemson and Wake Forest. Outstanding ACC game here. 51-45. Clemson wins in double overtime. And... This game was the breakout moment for D.J. Uyagalale. Quarterback at Clemson has been criticized by some for being just a little bit inconsistent. Kate Klubnick is the backup. He's a hyped freshman, has got a little bit of playing time, but D.J.'s the guy. And if he wasn't coming into this game, he certainly is after this game. 26-41, of 41, 371 yards, five touchdowns. On the Wake Forest side, Sam Hartman had six TDs, 337 yards, 20 of 29 passing. It was an absolute duel between those two guys. And it was it was an outstanding battle for sure. But DJ proved that he can carry a football team. They're going to win because of him, not in spite of him. And any possibility of Cade Klobnik getting playing time, I think that's over at this point. DJ proved he could win a shootout. He proved he could put up the gaudy numbers, and it's good to see for him because, again, there was some doubt around him as far as can he win big games? Can he put up the numbers necessary to win those said big games? And he proved he could do it, and they ran the football pretty well along with their passing numbers. Will Shipley, 20 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown on the Wake Forest side, not quite as balanced, only 110 yards rushing. Clemson had 188. Clemson had 559 total yards, 447 for Wake. Just an incredible football game. I mean, Wake Forest has a great team. They're going to be really, really good this year. But Clemson showed. They showed that they could be an elite football team. They showed they are a championship caliber, championship level football team. And again, for Dabo and the staff, it's really, really good to see. Good to see DJ do what he did. Good to see Will Shipley getting the numbers that he did. And again, just a a confidence building win because again... There is doubt not just around DJ, at quarterback, but this whole Clemson team. And they're not as talented as they were two years ago, three years ago. But they're good enough. They're good enough in a weak ACC. So great win for Clemson there. Tennessee takes down Florida. Tremendous game here for a Vols team that's now ranked eighth in the country. 38-33 the final. Hendon Hooker, 22-28, of 28, 349 yards and two touchdowns. On the Florida side, Anthony Richardson, 24-44 453 yards two touchdowns and one interception next kansas state over oklahoma tremendous contest this was as well 41 to 34 the final adrian martinez 21 of 34 234 yards and a touchdown for kansas state on the oklahoma side dylan gabriel 26 of 39 330 yards and four touchdowns now again they had balance on the ground as well eric gray 16 carries 114 yards Gabriel had 61 yards rushing himself, so it's not just passing the football, but Oklahoma's really good at running the ball as well. Now, again, this is a Kansas State team that has Adrian Martinez at a quarterback. He's a transfer from Nebraska. It's a team now that's ranked 25th in the country. And again, the week before, they got upset by Tulane, 17-10. A terrible loss at home, but that's a good Tulane team, Michael Pratt at quarterback, but you just can't lose that game. And there was tons of doubt coming in. No one thought they would win that football game, but you know Martinez is in a better system now. Deuce Vaughn at running back is really, really good. So that's a dark horse contender in the Big 12. And they showed that. And Oklahoma's down to number 18 in the poll. So we're starting to see the balance of power really shift here. And again, not saying that Kansas State is going to win the Big 12 or that they're better than Oklahoma or anything like that. I'm just saying that They're a good football team that you really got to look out for. And same can be said for Kansas. Yes, the Kansas Jayhawks. Not in basketball, but in football. They're 4-0. and And they got their fourth win last week against Duke, 35-27. Just an incredible start to the season. Because this is a Kansas program that the last time they really had a good season was like 2007. And they were like number two in the country. And they've been really, really bad ever since then. That's the only way I can put it. That's the nicest way I can put it. They've been a bad football team. They've had inconsistency in the program. Their recruiting hasn't been great. They've had a lot of coaches. But now they've got it right. It seems they've got it right. Lance Leopold is the head coach. Jalen Daniels is the quarterback. And that is a really, really great union right now. Lance Leopold is a proven coach. He's been around. He's seen a lot of things. And there's stability in this Kansas program right now. Remember, they had Les Miles. That didn't work out. It just didn't. I mean, he was a big name, former LSU head coach, and, and there was a lot of hype around that. But we know with Les Miles, there was always organizational stuff that wasn't quite right. Just The culture in the program, it, it just didn't work. So, now they move on to this new head coach, and they have this Jalen Daniels at quarterback, and it's working out just just outstanding. And again, Jalen Daniels, he's a guy that you really have to look at right now, not just for Big 12 Player of the Year, but also the Heisman Trophy. Yes, that's right. Jalen Daniels is a Heisman Trophy contender. And we would never say that for anybody at Kansas. Kansas, of all places, you think they're the last team that would have a Heisman Trophy contender. But again, early in the season, you got to look at this guy. He's turning a lot of heads right now. In this game against Duke, 19 of 23, 324 yards, four touchdowns. And along with that, no interceptions. So kept it clean, didn't turn the football over. And their numbers here in this game, absolutely outstanding. Six of 10 on third down. 23 first downs 528 total yards a lot of balance 8.5 yards per play almost a first down per play in this game and again I know it's not a good Duke team you know it's a solid Duke team average at best and yes things are going to get much tougher coming up but they beat Tennessee Tech in the first game 56-10 then won at West Virginia 55-42 beat Houston 48-30 on the road and then beat Duke now again coming up Iowa State this week, TCU the following week. So again, the schedule is starting to get tougher. Things are going to get more difficult, but right now they're 4-0. You got to feel really good about that. But if you think these next two games are tough, Iowa State and TCU, those games are at home. Then they go on the road at number 18, Oklahoma, at number 16, Baylor. Then it's at home against number nine, Oklahoma State. Then there's Kansas State, last game of the year. So The back half of the schedule is going to be really tough. So if Kansas is for real and they're a legit threat, we're going to see. And again, as excited as everyone is and as excited as I am right now about Kansas, it's like I talked about with LR. You know, you can't fully judge them yet because they haven't played great football teams. But again, to beat anybody is a huge, huge accomplishment for this Kansas football program. Because again, they just haven't cut it. And that is a massive, massive understatement. When you look at their record, when you look at the culture of this program, it's just been very, very tough and difficult. Continuity is the most important thing in sports. You have to have it. And if you don't, you're going to be in big, big trouble. And just to give you some more context, last year, Kansas was two and 10. In 2020, 0 and 9. The year before, 3 and 9. Year before that, 3-9. 2017, 1-11. 2016, 2-10 overall. 2015, winless at 0-12. 2014 and 2013, 3-9. In 2012, 1-11. In 2011, 2-10. You can just go down the line. 2007, they were 12-1. 2008, they were 8-5. and 5. That was their last good year. And that was under Mark Mangino. Then they went to Turner Gill, Charlie Weiss, David Beatty, Les Miles, now Lance Leepold. So... I love the culture building that they're doing right now. I love the positivity around the program. Jalen Daniels is a star in my eyes. And uh, best of luck for the rest of the year for Kansas football. Very excited to see what they do over there as well. Again, that's all the time we have on this episode of College Sports Today. Again, reminder, next week we'll be talking to Greg Paradine, head coach of the LR Men's Lacrosse team. And again, week after that, back to our normal format for episode 50. Going to be a special time. Week after that, Graham Smith, women's basketball head coach for the Bears as well. Again, we have enjoyed bringing this episode to you. Thank you to all the listeners for taking the time to tune in. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenore University, the College of Fine Arts and Communications, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening.